Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Buzz Podcast. Thanks for joining us today as we continue uh, all the conversation about things Catholic uh, that pertain to us and you <laughs> and everyone around us, I guess. Apparently, yeah. My name is Father Daniele, and I'm joined, as usual, by Josh Sullivan. Hey, hello. Josh, welcome. Thank you. And Matt Van Milligan. Hello. Matt is the better looking one of the bunch here. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Yes. That was, yeah. <laughs> we get all sorts of fan mail about Matt. He's well, taken, ladies. They just He's talk taken. about the one with hair. That's all we know. <laughs> like, you know, so that's... <laughs> So guess what? Um, in uh, October, actually, uh, if I'm going to be very precise, on uh, the Feast of St. Michael the Archangel, September 29th, there was a new study released by the Benedict 16th Institute in Canada. It's a, it's a research report written and compiled by Dr. Ryan Topping, and it's called Meet Our New Priests. So it's uh, a study that presents 12 key findings about the background, discernment, and seminary formation of Canada's recent ordination classes, like recent priests, uh, those who have become priests. That's cool. Uh, very cool. It's, we, it's very unique for a Canadian study. Yeah, we don't normally, like, yeah. we get always get tied in with the United States. You yeah. know what I mean? And so this is kind of cool that it's specifically Canadian. It's true. And uh, Dr. Ryan Topping, brilliant man, and uh, he actually presented this to us uh, at a vocations conference at the end of September. Uh, but it, it talks about uh, where these vocations are coming from, what kind of things uh, these seminarians were involved with before they went to, to the seminary, who helped them in their discernment, which is really interesting yeah, that's to see, cool. uh, what kind of spiritual practices they were involved with before uh, they entered the seminary, and what, uh, like what they were helping with in the parish, like what ministry they were doing. Yeah. So lots of beautiful things here from this study, and so we're kind of going to go through it today, and then we're going to talk about the overall picture, because that's the question a lot of people have, uh, like, why do we have a priest shortage? Uh, you know, people are always in fear that uh, churches are going to close, that we don't have enough priests, all that different things. So we'll look at the numbers here in Canada, we'll look at the numbers uh, globally, and then we'll kind of... Go from there. Go from there and see uh, what Love comes. Good. So I, I'm not going to read the whole report. It's, uh, <laughs> but a couple things that I found interesting. Yeah. Okay. So number one, uh, the question was, uh, who of uh, who encouraged you most to consider the priesthood? Okay. And 78 percent mm -hmm. of the recently ordained in Canada said their parish priest. Wow. 78 percent, which is a beautiful thing. I, I'm glad that priests are yeah. encouraging. <laughs> encouraging others, right? But here may have been surprising to me a little bit. Mother and father were a yeah. close second at 74%. Wow. See, a lot of times you hear about like mothers and fathers are sometimes a discouragement when it comes to the priesthood. Like, well, I want grandkids. You can't do that or whatever the case yeah. might be. So that's, I mean, it's good to know those mm -hmm. numbers. It's kind of cool. And, and like that's something that I think... As parents, especially for me, I'm a parent of four boys. Like it's something that we talk about, and that and that it's like, yeah, you could do it. My joke is always that you can't. You know, three of you can go be priests, but at least one <laughs> of you can't. And I'll choose the you know the biggest, most handsome one to continue the live, the, the breeding stock and yeah. uh, carry the family name. But the um, the idea there that the parents are, it kind of makes sense to me though, because it kind of shows them that that. I would suggest if parents and the priests are the ones that are encouraging the most, well, priests make sense, um, where the people are finding their faith through their priest or, or in their priest and, and, and emulating that or 
um, reflecting that, but also in their parents. Yeah, at right? home. Make, makes and sense. So yeah. the people that are turning to the priesthood, so I would suggest that makes probably some priests um, deeper in their faith maybe than from previous years or whatever the case mm. may be. I mean, depending on what the numbers show from previous years. But That's right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that these these parents have raised their kids right. Yeah, <laughs> right. yeah and, and just from a, like a kind of data and statistics perspective, like we're, we're actually only given the success factor here. Yes. So it's like the, for the ones who did become priests, parents played a major role in encouraging them to do so. So, you know, you, you hear those stories about like, yeah, I want grandbabies or like yeah. whatever, like how many other otherwise, you know, would be great priests are deterred by their parents or that like, what, what would the numbers look yeah, like? Right. If, if, if so, like, we, we don't have the kind of the, the opposite, opposite, opposite data, data of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. Uh, another thing I want to mention here is at 65%, it says parishioner, like a parishioner yeah. of the parish, which is really a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like parishioners encouraging young men to consider the priesthood is a beautiful thing. So if that's happening in your parish uh, at home, if you're listening, uh, and maybe if it's not happening, you could be the one to tap a young man on the shoulder <laughs> and maybe he, uh, it's hard for young men to go to church by themselves, yeah. eh? They, sure. <laughs> everyone just thinks they're going to be a priest. <laughs> Although, always look for the finger. I had a, wo- a woman come up and told me that God told told her that I was supposed to be a priest, and then I had to point to my ring finger and be like, well, <laughs> my wife and two kids at the time. Like, my wife and two kids are going to be upset to hear that, <laughs> you know? Um, but but it is it is important to kind of keep that, you know? She took a stab in the dark. She yeah, took a stab in the dark. She, you know? she, she didn't look at my hand. That's what, you know, I had the ring finger on. Uh, also notable on that question, on the low end, yeah. it was surprisingly... Bishop at twenty six percent. It doesn't. Su- it doesn't surprise me as much, yeah. only because I don't know like how much would the bishop have in contact with the regular yeah. folk, right? True. That would be, you know what I mean. And school chaplain was the lowest, thirteen percent. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's yeah, disappointing. That's unfortunate. Uh, okay, so uh, that was that question. Another thing that I really, really enjoyed reading was uh, which parish ministries did you did you serve in before entering the seminary? Mm-hmm. And the top two highest were altar serving at seventy oh. yeah. percent, and that statistic is also the same in the United States. Okay, yeah, and number two was lector at sixty one percent. Again, that makes perfect sense to me in the sense that if you're an altar server or a lector, you're probably attending mass on a regular basis, exactly. and your parents are encouraging you to get involved. Exactly. So this, this, yeah, this makes sense. That's very true. And and then uh, you know, there's stats on if they were involved in a parish youth group. Thirty five percent said they were. Yeah. Um, you know, they attend. World Youth Days or Catholic Youth Conferences, yeah. like the ones we throw here in yeah. town. Uh, okay, so did you participate in any of these prayer practices yeah. before entering the seminary? Number one at 83% were regular confession. Wow, regular okay, confession. that's great. And 78% said Eucharistic adoration. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. I had a priest one time tell tell me and tell a group of young students, you know, adoration, confession, the rosary, they're all old traditions. They're all out. <clears throat> and... Mm-hmm. I, my thought at the time was like, well, you just don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've obviously because of our faith, but but to this obviously a, proves yeah, the yeah. opposite, right? Yeah. It's like, is confession, adoration. Those, those so, are the top three. And then that's yeah. funny that you said the rosary because yeah. the rosary was tied with adoration at 78%. Oh, was it? Yeah, yeah, yeah that makes yeah. sense to me. So yeah. confession, adoration, and the rosary were the three highest uh, prayer practices that people had before entering the seminary. So those are pre- what? Yeah. What is that age group for priests? I mean, not age, but what is that? What are we looking at for priests for the study? Yeah, they were priests that were uh, interviewed. Uh, new ordinations to the priesthood in Canada in the year 2021 and 2022. Wow! So it's like yeah. brand, so new. brand new. Brand new. It's yeah. a brand new report. Yeah, yeah. Two in years 
brand new. Wow. Yeah, exactly. That's great. That's awesome. So uh, it talks about a lot of different things here, but uh, okay. So those are some of the stats. One of the one of the one that we were kind of talking about, Matt, before we went on the air was the replacement ratio. Yeah. yeah. So apparently, the Vatican Central Office of Church Statistics has established a replacement ratio for seminarians to priests. Yeah. Okay. So uh, a ratio, uh, it, it's our, <laughs> it's a replacement ratio for seminarians to priests, RRSP. Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> works for Canada. It works for Canada, yeah. Uh, a retirement so fund. Yeah. Based Investing upon, in our future. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 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 Based upon its own analysis, the Vatican has proposed the RRSP in Canada, <laughs> or, or the RSP, to be 12.5 seminarians for every 100 active priests. Okay. Say it again. 12.5 seminarians for every 100 active priests. Okay. So a country would need to maintain a seminarian population that is 12.5% of its priestly population. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. So how does this apply to Canada? Well, as of this study, there were 6,025 mm-hmm. priests in Canada. Yeah. So multiply by 12.5% is 753 seminarians. So we need 753 to men in the seminary to have a good RRSP, yeah. according yeah. to the, the Vatican statistics. Okay. And currently in Canada, we have a total of, I just lost the number, we have a total of 211. Ooh. Yeah. 211. That's like a third of what we need. Yeah. yeah. So we need 753 seminarians. We have 200. And eleven. Okay, so that means we're not really matching the RRSP according to the Vatican studies, <laughs> right? Uh, now that's the report that came out of Canada. Again, it's the Benedict Sixteen Institute. Uh, if people want to read it, Dr. Ryan Topping is uh, the author of that study, and uh, the Vatican just recently actually posted some uh, worldwide statistics. Okay, so uh, this was just released in October, so not too long ago, and it's comparing numbers from. Uh, the end of 2021 to the previous year, 2020, okay? So the number of Catholics increased in the world by 16 million, okay, uh, as compared to 2020. Uh, The global percentage of Catholics, though, decreased slightly uh, to 17.6% of the population, right? The the number of bishops decreased. There's 5,340 in the world, okay? And the total number of priests decreased by 2,300 Guess how many priests in the world, if you had to guess? Oh, I don't know. 100,000? Oh. What do you think? I, I, millions. Millions? Yeah. Millions? 407,000 priests. Oh, that surprises me. Yeah. In the world. So yeah. almost half a million. Huh? Okay, interesting uh, that uh, the number of permanent deacons continues to rise all over the world. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right. And with the number of priests uh, deacons, uh, the number of Catholics increasing, the number of priests decreasing, there's an average of 3,370 Catholics for every priest in the world. Say it again. 300? 3,000. 3,373 Catholics for every priest in the world. Wow. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So those are a lot of statistics for people to... So what what do these all mean? Yeah. Let's put that into perspective just right here. So when we have... Because we have a lot of little towns around northern Ontario where we're here in North Bay. Um, So we have like North Bay's population of 55,000, 56,000, somewhere around there. But I'm going to say 17% of those are Catholic or whatever the case may be. Um, 
But when you look at some of the other places like Trout Creek or or Powassan or like look at the numbers in those little small towns and those or we have I mean Astorville and Corbeil in the area and we have some churches that are closing in those areas. But it kind of makes sense if we have three thousand people per priest, and we have one or two of these congregations that have. 10 people at them hmm. or even 25 people in them. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that's why in, in, what's normal now is for a priest not to have just one yeah. parish church. But to have like three or four. Or a couple, or, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. I mean, it makes sense to have missionary priests too. I mean, I mean missionary yeah. parishes and, and yeah. those kind of things. I think we're going to see that more. But it, it, I'm just saying it makes sense to me why if, if you need 3,000 parishioners per one, it kind of makes sense to me. And then, and you're going to have more than that. Like if you have a parish of 10,000, you have two priests at it. You know yeah. what I mean? Um, that's covering more than their fair share. Of it. So this 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 conversation about the decrease or the shortage of priests has been going on for a long time. Yeah, for sure. Like uh, I, I know as, as long as you know, I've been practicing in, in the church, the priests have always talked about it. I know when I was a teenager, our parish was clustered uh, with uh, two other churches. So there were three churches with one priest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, like... 25 years ago. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, so there's been like a decline in the number of priests. However, we also have to put that in perspective. Yeah. Right. Like, let's think about when all these churches were built. Yeah. These churches were built mostly in the boom area, uh, yeah. era. Right. So, before the war, people were uh, immigrating to Canada. You had the Italians sort of building their churches. You had like different ethnic groups building their churches. After the war, you saw more churches go up. Uh, and remember, at the time, people didn't drive yeah, as yeah. much as we yeah. did. Yeah, you're right. So, there was a kind of a church in every neighborhood that yeah. you walked to, and that was your parish. That would yeah. because you lived in this neighborhood, that was your parish. Well, then all sorts of things kind of contribute to the decline, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So we see a sharp decline uh, in the n- number of Catholics attending Mass, yeah. right? So yeah. that uh, the, st- the stat I read that today was uh, from 1960, I believe, there was like 527 <laughs> Uh, Catholics were attending mass regularly as compared to like 17% today, Yeah. right? So that's a sharp decline. We also have a decline in, in sort of society. The number of births yeah. are yeah, down. It's actually gone down, yeah, right? for sure. Uh, and that's why our immigrant population now, we talk, I mean, it's all over the news in Canada. I don't know about other places, but immigration has gone way, way, way up. But it's because we can't sustain the population yeah. with the birth rate that we're at right now. That's right. You know what I mean? And in some Areas where, depending where people are immigrating from, yeah. you see an increase in Catholicism in, in yeah. Little, yeah. Patches little patches of Ontario you know, yeah, exactly. and Canada because you know you might have people come from uh, different from countries, more religious yeah. countries, yeah. right? So you're seeing sort of diverse parish communities happening uh, in Canada. So you know, like I want people to have the the bigger picture because then people started the the neighborhood church is something of the past. I think, yeah, right. I agree. Like people, people are now driving to places. People are more. Uh, people are looking for more choice. <laughs> you know, well, te- technology has made it able. Like, so I can be honest. I drive. Like, I I live uh, twenty five minutes away from my parish, mm-hmm. which means I drive past potentially three other parishes to get to the parish that I belong to, and part of that is because of. Like I look, I look for making sure that my family can grow and I can grow. We've talked about this with church hopping mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. But this is also like that's the area that community that I belong to. Now we have roles and responsibilities that we belong to, and and so it makes sense that that's the one that we go to. Yeah. Um, but there are churches that are closer, definitely. You know what I mean? And it's not that we never go. Like my wife, when she's working night shift, she'll go to the other church on a Saturday night or something like that. But it's 
this is the church that we belong to. And there's reasons for it. Sometimes it's because if you, like my kids belong to a youth group or, or that they help out with altar serving mm-hmm. or I'm part of the choir or whatever, you know, like there's yeah. other reasons there too. And these other co- communities might not have that, you know what I mean? Or those areas. It's true. I think if you think about too, in the last 20 years, maybe 30 years, there's been a, sh- there's been a number of churches that have closed probably mm-hmm. in every diocese yep. in Canada. Uh, right. And, and perhaps the United States, I don't know. Uh, but so churches are closing. People get upset. People get upset when, when their church close close, church. right? That's their parish. That's where they were baptized, were married, whatever. Uh, you know, and and you know, my home parish closed when yeah. when I was and I was involved very much in my home parish growing up, and it closed uh, back in two thousand two. So that's pretty early for you yeah. know for when we're talking about church closures. Yeah. Uh, but people kind of hold on. I I know a number of people who even in our own city when their church closed they just haven't been back to church yeah. that was it like our parish closes that's it same from when my parish closed some people are just like I've had enough I'm not going because they closed my church so all of these factors <laughs> why I'm saying contribute yeah, like yeah. if there's less people in our pews there's obviously going to be less but priests that, but I think I think that yeah. goes to show too that maybe we didn't do a great job right. at, at, at educating these people why church is important you know yeah. what I mean because like for me um, I don't go to church because of the community necessarily I mean I do but I don't like if if let's say my church was to close I would get to the next church because it's going to the daily Eucharist. I mean, going going to Eucharist, going well, to right. yeah. you know what I mean, like going to the sacraments because I need them, not because the community needs them, not yeah. because you know, like it's it. So, being educated in that too, I think what happened was we had kind of what you suggested. Churches opened up because of cultural. So, like we had we yeah. had a lot of Italians move in. We had Polish. We had and um, population. Irish, and, like some yeah. neighborhoods were yeah. just like Booming. bursting at the seams. And we had we had a lot of that, especially in the outside outlying towns of the bigger town of the bigger cities, right? Because you had like communities like uh, in northern Ontario, it's it, lumber industry and those types of mining mm-hmm. industry and stuff. And so all of a sudden these things are booming, and then all of a sudden now they're not, right. and it's shrunk down from a ten thousand person town down to three hundred. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so now what do we do with that? Do we close that church? Well, there's still ten people going to that church. We still, you know, like. Um, so yeah, and what I find interesting about this discussion is that like you, you can do that factor analysis, or yeah. you can like um, you can look at like because like yes, you can identify like a general decline in church attendance or something, but like some parishes are growing, some parishes are are, are doing really well, yeah, you know, despite those other other factors. Agreed. But um, it's yeah, and what I appreciate about, uh, appreciate about this study um, is that like when you're looking at kind of demographics, if you're looking at statistics, you're like we have like a case study conducted over about 50 years um, in, in Quebec, where you kind of see a much sharper decline yeah. um, in attendance in um, uh, th- than we're seeing in Ontario and, and much of the, the rest of Canada. Um, but you can you can do a bit of that factor analysis, or you, we have that kind of <laughs> data to be like, okay, what, what happened here? It's like, well, yes, it was more of a cultural uh, thing that is like, um, you know, the cultural the, faith. Yeah. yeah. And it would like that weren't necessarily properly evangelized. Um, but we can also look at that as kind of a cautionary tale. And again, look mm-hmm. at some of these statistics or look at, okay, so um, <laughs> this is the recipe book for, you know, uh, how young, do we make good young engaged Yeah, priests. exactly. Um, but what can we do that? But it also like takes into account like time considerations. Okay. So their formation, their average formation, I think from the study is eight years yeah. Um, yeah. at a cost of, I think close to $300,000. So just like from uh, like any other perspective or like any other content, like if you're looking at corporate recruitment, if you've like, like a five yeah. year or a 10 year plan, like how do we, how do we manage our talent pipeline to get like the, the people in place to actually be doing the things that like, for, so looking at that replacement rate of like 3.5 or 3.7 
times the number of seminarians that we currently have, you know, we What's need, that cost? Yeah, and 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 what what do we do now? Like, what can you and I do as you know fathers of boys or you yeah. know just members of a parish community? How can we encourage this in a way that actually takes that takes that timeline into account? It's yeah. like okay, so the, the decisions we're making right now may Effect. like may you know yeah. have be impactful in two thousand thirty or you know yeah. two thousand thirty five when you know. Uh, if if we're taking these other cautionary tales or these other kind of historical examples, um, you know, when, when when they're going to be needed, um, you know, we're not talking about like, we can't just kind of ramp up recruitment and have results in six months. You yeah, know, yeah, we need exactly. to we need to think about this kind of strategically and play the long game. I want to mention something that I th- I think it was Father Mike Schmitz who had said it, but uh, he he said that in large part priests are the only ones that have recognized the priest shortage. Mm. Uh, and he said that for a large part, the laity have not really recognized the priest shortage. And here was his point. Because some people might say, wow, what do you mean? Uh, his point was that in large part, the quote-unquote service that people receive from their parish has re- has not changed no, he's still- in the last let's say 20 years, 30 years, they still have their Sunday mass time. Uh, they have still daily have mass options for the most for mass. Parts. They yeah. have daily mass, confession time. They can meet with a priest when they want. All Weddings, those funerals, baptisms. Right. Um, so the service that they receive from the parish maybe has not changed drastically. But in the same time frame, like let's say 20, 30 years, the number of priests has sharply reduced. Yeah. So priests recognize the shortage more so than anyone else because now they're doing the job of what used to be two, three, yeah. sometimes four priests, right? Uh, we were counting We were counting the other day how many priests' roles that I have, yeah. right? Like it's, that I think priests have recognized that because they're serving the same amount of people uh, that, a large group of priests would have served on a regular basis. Yeah. yeah, I think I think, and it's also part of the reason I'm going to say of de- the decline in Catholics is because what we 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 fell into a custom of having a lot more priests, let's say, and so then all of a sudden ministries that should be lay ministries hmm. um, that the diaconates, like the deacons, should lead, and those types of things, like ministries like um, going to visit the sick or visiting the dying or visiting those in prison, visiting like all those types of ministries, um, educating the young people, all that kind of stuff kind of fell to cultural catholically <laughs> you know fell yeah. to the priest's shoulders and but they we had let's say three parish and three parish priests three priests in a parish and one of them would just take on youth ministry so they'd be going in and visiting the schools and going doing all that stuff but then other people didn't necessarily have to do that job or we didn't have the people step up because of the cultural <clears throat> decline of catholicism kind of slowly so we'd lose that and so what would happen then is but as we've declined in our priests, so has the opportunity for like, how much time can you possibly spend full time at a hospital, full time at a school, full time in the ministry of sick Mm -hmm. and and the old age homes at the same time administering, doing the administration job of a parish and all that stuff. So our laity has kind of fallen behind and not stepped up to fill the gap of cultural Catholics, but also the shortage of priests, right? And Exactly. And so we have to encourage our laity to kind of start stepping up there and start doing that job, you know? Yeah, and you see that with the decline of people attending church, yeah. right? There's a, there's, they're less likely to help out in the parish, right? Because there's not the, there's not the population there to help out. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Like uh, p- uh, one of the one of the things about the uh, ch- 
shortage of priests that's unfortunate is that the priest is often doing things that he shouldn't be doing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, because there's less of less priests going around, so he sh- he really should be focused on sacramental ministry. I was going to say, that's right? like, like the, the thing that a priest can do that nobody else can do yeah. is the sacramental ministry. Exactly. He should be like a, that's where his focus I'm, should be, whereas in going to visit the sick, the priest, uh, last rites, I mean, like blessings and those There's nothing wrong with the priest going no, to visit the sick, but, but, of course. But it, it does, shouldn't be the sole focus of a ministry. That's it should right. be people's mm-hmm. ministry. But that's also where people, like, I think the decline of people is because they started to view the church as a weekly entertainment. Uh, uh, I got to go yeah. for one hour of mass and I'd be entertained at mass. Not that it's entertaining, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like you go, you sit there, you do your job, and then you come out and you're done. And it, it was more culturally Catholic, again, not understanding the theology behind it or, or the reasoning why we go to mass. People started to decline because they're also not, neither, not, they're not being asked either. I mean, we did a job, you know, not asking people necessarily to come and join us. But then we're not exploiting, not exploiting, exploiting is the wrong word, but we're not asking them to use their gifts. So if they have a gifted talent of music, recognizing that gift and putting them into the choir and the music, you know, musical, um, using their musical gifts. If they have a gift of um, greeting and outgoing, and maybe that's the one that we send to the people in, in, in long-term care homes or, or the, the sick that are shut-ins and, and, and need the Eucharist. Like, the Eucharist ministry can do that, but at the same time make them feel loved and part of the community and welcome. Like, pointing those people out, asking them to use gifts, because if people are using their gifts, then they're going to feel... They're going to feel life from those gifts, and then they're going to want to be part of the parish, too. Right? Yeah, so, like, I always see a parish community as like a, as a, as a big family, just like in your family. Everyone, everyone has to... Uh, pull their weight, yeah, yeah, right? Like, everyone has to do something to contribute to the life of the family. So, in the same thing in the parish, lots of things happen when lots of people contribute, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, the parish is a, is a large, uh, large family. And that's what you, that's what you see. Uh, in, in sort of larger communities where you see growth is where people are out there. People are out there doing stuff, representing yeah. the community, and we've largely lost that. We've largely lost people in the schools, in the prisons, in the hospitals, all these places where we can bring Christ to others because the priest just can't be in 15 places in one day. When I, ta- I heard that we taught, like, at one time, priests were, were teaching catechetically, right, and, and teaching how to, how to mm-hmm. and that, I mean, a big part of their job, which is great, but then we're now getting into the uh, apost- apostolic age where basically evangelization that we're, our focus is not now about taking care of our flock it's about going out and getting new mm. flock and doing that our priests though like i'm going to encourage the priests that you see the healthier parishes are priests that are going out and asking people to be involved mm. i need you to come and help and so if they're priests standing there and their church is dying and they're listening to the show right now and they're going like okay hey, well what's going i'm going to encourage take it to prayer but start asking start first of all start praying about it so that god can give you the, the holy spirit can give you the little ask this person about it you know what i mean but then go out and ask those individuals to help you run this ministry so that you can, I mean, you, you can have a hand in it to start it off, but then slowly back away and let them run the ministry. Mm. You're always going to be, it's always going to be an, a branch or an arm of your ministry. It's always going to be, you know, like, oh, we talk about youth ministry a lot because I'm involved with youth ministry, but youth ministry, when we're doing confirmation prep or marriage prep and those things, we're a branch off of the priest's ministry, meaning the priest has should have should have full say when it comes to confirmation or confession prep and all that stuff. But we are doing it for, hmm. not in place of the priest, but the priest should be involved, but they can 
they're the ones in charge of making the decisions. Yeah. Yeah, the but keep we in can mind the vision of exactly. the parish, right? Yeah. Yeah. The other the other thing is, you know, with so many people's gifts and talents, you, you look at like just our church buildings, yeah. like, and so much of the priest time is taken up like administering the building. Right, like you know, the furnace breaks. Yeah. Uh, this that. You're the one that has Whatever. to call around so, and find a like. Why? Yeah. You know, uh, I, I'm blessed with a good team of people around me that kind of take care <laughs> of those things, right? Uh, but in 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 parishes, like that's where the priest spends a lot of his time, and it's unfair to the priest, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, and and not only unfair, but there are better suited people in mm-hmm. the parish community. Like there mm-hmm. are people with. Uh, the gift of administration, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like like that could actually like maybe your job is not administration, and yeah. so why are you the one doing it? Well, no, pray about it, and then go find the person. The the other thing that I'm going to say that is part of it, and that this is part of our culture that we kind of got to bring back though, because I've found this when we ask for volunteers nowadays, it's really hard to have anybody put up their hand. People don't put up their hand anymore. If I say, okay, I need ten people. To, mm. I mean, even the Knights of Columbus, or even with the with the youth when we're dealing with them, like I need ten guys to come do this for me. Nobody puts up their hand. But if I go ask them individually, yeah. they'll come out and support and they'll come out and help. But it takes like, so if you're standing there going, hey, please raise your hand if this is, like no one's going to raise their hand. You have to go out and ask individually mm-hmm. and say like, I need you. And then can you, and then people will step up. Realizing that you don't have to pay necessarily people to do all the jobs that, you know, and that's one of the things, like you need someone to plow the driveway. You need someone to, like these are things that people would be willing to do if they have that, like, Bob's got a plow on his truck and he can do that. I mean, depending on insurance and everything else, I guess, but like, <laughs> like he can, he can just plow the driveway for the rectory if you want, you know, like that's, that's something he can do. And, and, and Bob's not really a member of the parish community, but his wife is, you know what I mean? Like, and, but Bob doesn't mind because he's doing it for the church and he feels like he's doing a good job. You know what I mean? Those are places, but you got to pray and you got to ask those right people. Yeah. And, and so what, uh, one of the other things that I think is a deterrent, like oh, that's why I was yeah. surprised by the statistic here that moms and dads are encouraging priests, like right from the family. Uh, sometimes I hear that a lot as vocation director talking with young people who are uh, discerning the priesthood, that their parents are discouraging them from doing, from even even entertaining the thought of being a priest. Mm-hmm. Um, but what are their reasons for doing that? Well, there's a whole bunch of things. You know, people say that priests aren't happy, priests are lonely, um, celibacy is not, uh, uh, shouldn't be expected anymore. Like all these things that come, like the typical questions that come, you know, should we uh, let priests get married? Should we let uh, ordain women to be priests? Like all those questions that come. And I, I to address that, we've addressed these topics on other episodes, but. I have seen great, great growth with young people when we are faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Very much. Mm-hmm. When, we're t- when we're faithful to the teachings of the Catholic Church, when we're forming people as disciples of Jesus, you see them come alive and, and you see them want to uh, you know, be open at least to discerning the priesthood. I think what, what I always believe what we do matters. Like what a priest does matters but what the laity does also matters so uh, for example a priest if he's rushing through mass just to get everyone out because it's they they like a short mass well you, you know we're not really instilling in people the reason why we're at mass if we're just uh, making sort of a mockery of things uh, you know joking or uh, not taking seriously homilies or the liturgy or whatever why would anyone else take it seriously yeah. if we're rushing through the consecration? How do people come to believe in what 
the Eucharist is. You know, sometimes I I, uh, I visit some churches and I'm just like, I, I, it's hard. It's hard to. It's hard when it's like, how do people believe that that is Jesus mm-hmm. from the way we treat the sacrament, yeah. right? But when when someone takes their time, when someone uh, is purposefully trying to lead others to see the beauty in the liturgy, to see the beauty in the church's teachings, to see the beauty in the church itself, yeah. young people come alive with that. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of that next week on our episode where we're going to talk about young people and the tradition of the church. But um, I, I think it starts with the priest because yeah. if the priest sets the tone for his parish, then everyone else becomes witnesses to the faith. And we have to be real witnesses. Like we can't just, what are we witnessing to if we're not being truthful or or living our faith with integrity? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I think that goes a long way. All these other things, lonely, happy, celibacy, those are all <laughs> like... Okay, okay. what I'm going to suggest yeah. is ask anybody, like take a, take a survey and see if it's higher in priest versus married life or in... Even, you know, like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're going to find any much of a difference of yeah. anything. And, and what oftentimes what a lot of people are proposing as the solutions for the priest shortage yeah. is to open the door, to lower the bar, to like, to lower how, the bar. how can we get more, you know, warm bodies in, you know, priest positions? And like, it's proposed as a solution to the problem, but, you know, we've we've all encountered those priests who, you know, have, have decided to be, or may, maybe kind of rush their discernment or, you know... Um, are lonely and not feeling like because you know they thought they couldn't do something else. So like um, a big part of the like the eight year process, or like when you see like a really really solid priest coming out the other end of the seminary process, you know you know there was like some serious discernment. Like this is what they're being called to, and it gives them life. Yeah, and that life like they they give life to the parish, and so. Um, uh, again, so like if, if we think that the solution or what some people are proposing is well, if we just open open up the priesthood to all of these other all, all of these other groups or just kind of lower our standards or expectations for priests you know having more bad priests is not going is not going <laughs> is not going to well, solve and, and, uh, the problem and i think we can say and we've said it before in the podcast but it's like let's look at other christian denominations yeah. that have done that yeah. and are they thriving more because they've done that yeah. other 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 uh, denominations have opened the doors to married priests, women priests, all those kind of... Are they facing the same? And they are. They're facing, if not in worse numbers than us, in decline and everything else. So it's not the solution necessarily. It's... it's, And in fact, like you kind of suggested, I think um, young people are flocking to the real... Yeah. To the to the to the truth. There's so much world of fake out there. When they see a priest rushing through the mass, this obviously isn't important to them so what they've talked about isn't true. Well, it's like, if it's not worth your time, why am I here? Exactly, yeah. yeah. You but, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But, but, but when yeah. they see a priest, and then they're like, oh, there's something here. There's something, here. what am I getting here? And they're, and they're attracted to the truth. They're attracted to that reverence. They're attracted to the awesomeness that is our faith and yeah. the 2,000 years that we have to back it up. And, and, the, and the church was never kind of qualified on the basis of quantity. Yeah. That it's like... <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that, we started with 12. And, and, and this, this study, too, really kind of confirms that, like, you know... A, Quality over over quantity is yes. is kind of the the emphasis here, and re- what we really need to focus focus on in encouraging expectations. And I think it was uh, Benedict the Sixteenth that said, like you know, in in the future, in the coming years, we we can probably expect a smaller church, but uh, hopefully uh, a more faithful Stronger church. church. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, hey, thanks for the discussion on that. I, I think what we can take from this is number one, uh, you know, we have to be people who live our faith with integrity. We have to encourage young people to to discern. 
discern their vocation, whatever it is. Yeah. Right. Like, let's think about where God is calling us. God leads us to a place to fulfill the purpose He's put us here for. Right. So we'll be happy with whatever our discernment is, but we have to discern. Yeah. We have to pray. The other thing I think is that's important is for anyone listening. You know, are you are you contributing? in the best way possible to the life of your parish? Like, are, are, are you using the gifts that uh, God has given you to help your parish community, to, to take the load off your priest or the deacon or whatever it is and help the, the community flourish? Everyone has a role to play in, in the church, right? That's why we're a big family. So I think that's something to uh, consider. And then when everyone works together and we're faithful to the Lord, <laughs> I think... You know, the happen. Lord is still calling people to be to be priests. Lots of people oh, are yeah. just ignoring the, that uh, discernment, right? I, I think so. We have to we yeah. have to make we have to foster places. We have to foster yes. parishes that allow for that to happen. Yeah, good holy men. We got to raise good holy men. All right. So if uh, you have anything to add to this uh, <laughs> conversation from home. You can drop us a line either on our social media pages or at askus at thecatholicbuzz.com and uh, let us know. Maybe there's uh, something that's working in your parish. Maybe there's uh, something that's not working in your parish. Maybe there's uh, really uh, some uh, great priests that have helped you in your faith journey that you can share with us as well. So that's all the time we have for today. So for Josh Sullivan and Matt Van Milligan, my name is Father Daniele. We'll see you next time on The Catholic Buzz. Mm-hmm.